It is day two of Dafvav. We are holding the Gemara on Dafvav and Madalaf three lines up in the narrow lines. The Gemara yesterday brought a price which expanded a pasuk mitzvah svasecha tishmer vaasisa kasher nadar to Hashem lekechon adava asher dibar to b'ficha. The Gemara raises three questions with the price. The Bryce had gone through and expanded the Pasuk, and the Gemara is going to ask on three of those expositions. Amamah, the Master taught in the Bryce, the words in the Pasuk, what emerges from your lips, teach us, the Bryce said, that teaches us a positive commandment, a mitzvah to pay one's vow. The Gemara says, Lamali, why do I need a source for that law? We already learned previously in the Gemara on Daftalad that we learn out a positive commandment to pay a vow from the Pasuk, You shall come there to the temple and you shall bring there your vowed offerings. We already explained that that taught us a mitzvah So why do we need another Pasuk to teach us a mitzvah The second question, Tishmur. The Pasuk said, You shall observe. And we said in the price, This indicates a negative prohibition not to neglect payment of one's vow. So the Gemara says, Why do I need that source? Surely, I've got another Pasuk, Do not delay to pay it, from which we have already previously learnt a negative prohibition not to delay payment of a vow. So why do I need this source for that prohibition? And finally, the Brisa said, Va'asisa. The Pasuk had said, Va'asisa, and you shall do. This is a warning to the court that they should make you pay your vow, they can force you. The Gemara says, Lamali, why do I need that source? We have another Pasuk which says he shall bring it. What is that Pasuk? The Pasuk says in Vayikra, Im min if his sacrifice is an ola of cattle, an unblemished male shall he bring it. El Pesach Oil Ma'ed to the entrance of the Mishkan, to, of the tabernacle. Yakriv Oso, he shall bring it. Those words are clearly superfluous. The Pasuk has already said Yakrivenu, that he shall bring it. And why does it then repeat Yakriv Oso, he shall bring it? We'll see in a moment. And the Pasuk finishes Lirud So No, of his will, Lifne Hashem, before Hashem. The Tanya we learned in the following price of the Gemara says, Yakrivoso, when the Pasuk that we've just quoted says, he shall bring it, and as I mentioned, that is clearly superfluous because the Pasuk has already said, Yakrivenu, that shall he bring it. So, Melame, this teaches us the repetition of Yakrivoso, that he shall bring it, Shekofenoso, that we can force him, we can compel him to fulfill his sacrificial obligations. Yochol bal you might think that he must bring it even against his will. Tamud Lomar Lud Sono, the Pasuk says at the end of the Pasuk we quote, of his will to teach us that he has to bring it willingly so how do we reconcile this understanding that we have to force him on the one hand but it has to be according to his will of his own will on the other hand how can that be we compel him until he says I am willing to bring it. We force him, we push him, we beat him until he says, I'm willing to bring it. So that on the one hand, we have forced him. On the other hand, it can, sit, can still be said to be to according to his will, because at the end of the day, he said, I would like to bring it. I am willing to bring it. So the Gemara's question is, why do we need this third exposition of the Pasuk Va'asisa that you shall do to teach you that you have to force someone to fulfill their vows when we have another Pasuk that we just quoted, Yakrivoso and Lirutso no, to teach us that we have to compel someone to bring an offering. 
So the Gemara says, okay, I'll explain to you with one answer. Why do we need two psukim for these different laws? Why do we need two psukim to teach us that we have a mitzvah ase, a mitzvah lo sase, and that we can force someone or we should force someone to fulfill his vows? So the Gemara says, Chad afrish, v'chad afrish The Gemara says there are two stages in the process of bringing a sacrifice or making a donation to the temple treasury or to the poor. The first stage is designating the animal or the object with which you'll fulfill the obligation. The second stage is offering the animal as a sacrifice. So the Gemara's high-level answer is that you might have thought that the prohibition against delaying and all the related laws only apply to one of the two stages, and therefore we need two psukim to teach us both stages. So the Gemara says, One verse refers to the first stage of a vow, where a person declared that he'll offer the sacrifice but didn't yet designate the actual sacrifice. And the other pasuk refers to the second stage where he's designated the animal but hasn't yet offered it. So again, one stage is where a person has declared it offer the sacrifice but didn't designate an actual animal. And the other pasuk refers to where he's designated the animal but hasn't offered it yet. With Sricha. And we need a pasuk for each of these two stages. Why? If the Torah had only taught us the law where he had declared that he would offer a sacrifice but hadn't yet designated one, then I might have thought he's only liable in that case where he said he would offer a sacrifice but didn't designate one yet. Why? Because he hasn't fulfilled his word. He said he was going to offer a sacrifice but didn't designate one. And therefore, he is liable for all the prohibitions related to delaying payment or delaying fulfilling his vow. But where he's already designated the animal, but just hasn't offered it yet, but he's already separated the animal, I would have said he's not liable for any of the prohibitions or any of being forced or anything like that, because wherever the animal is, it's in the treasury of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, he's already designated the animal. The fact that he hasn't actually sacrificed it or brought it to the temple for sacrifice is of no consequence. It doesn't matter. He's already designated the animal. It now belongs to HaKadosh Baruch so in a sense, he's already fulfilled his vow to give something to our Kaddish Baruch And therefore, Tzricha, therefore I need a Pasuk to teach me that he's liable for delaying to offer it, even in a case where he had, des- he had designated the animal and not offered it yet. And if the Torah would only have taught us the law where he designated the animal and didn't offer it yet, then I would have thought he's only liable in that case where he's designated the animal that hasn't offered it yet because he's keeping it in his possession. He, it belongs to Hashem and he's keeping it in his possession. But where he just said he would offer a sacrifice but didn't yet designate one, where he's in the first stage where he's made a vow, but he hasn't yet designated the animal, I might have thought he's not liable because a declaration alone is of no consequence. Just a verbal pledge doesn't suffice to invoke the prohibition against delaying. Of course, a verbal pledge would require him to bring the sacrifice, but maybe just a verbal pledge wouldn't be strong enough, wouldn't be significant enough to make him liable for delay. And therefore, Tzricha, Therefore, I need a pasuk to teach me that he's liable from the time he made his declaration. And therefore, the two psukim are needed. One for the case where he has declared he'll offer the sacrifice but hasn't designated one yet. And the other pasuk where he's designated the animal but didn't offer it yet. So the Gemara challenges this understanding. The Gemara says, How can you say that one of the psukim refers to a case where he declared he would offer a sacrifice and didn't designate one yet? Surely Nadava is written in each Pasuk. A Nadava is written in each Pasuk. 
How do we see that? Because the Pasuk Lo Sa'acher L'Shalmoi, we explained previously on Davhei, we have a Gezer Shava that tells us that that Pasuk is talking not just about a nether, but also a nedava. And the other Pasuk, Moitzas Vasecha, Tishmer Vasisa, Kasher Nedarta, L'Shem Lekecha, Nedava, explicitly mentions a nedava. So both Pesukim, one explicitly and one with the Gezer Shava, mention a nedava. Utsnan, and we learned that a Mishnah, and this is a Mishnah in Kinim, Ezehu Neder, what is a neder? It's where someone says, it's hereby incumbent upon me to bring an ola. We explained previously in Rashi, an ola is where a person says, the obligation to bring the korban is on me. It's not on a particular animal, it's on the person. And what is a nedavar? Someone who says, this animal is designated as an ola offering. This particular animal is designated. And that is what Rashi previously explained to us. So you see very clearly, in order to be liable about being obliged to bring in a dava, you have to have designated an animal. So the Gemara's question in a moment, we have to finish the Mishnah first, but the Gemara's question is very obvious, very clear. If bringing in a dava requires one to designate an animal, and the dava is mentioned in these two psukim, then... How can it be that one of the psukim is needed for the case where someone made a vow but didn't designate an animal when the psukim specifically include a nadava? And a nadava is only in a case where someone's already designated an animal. So that's going to be the Gemara's question. But let's just finish the Mishnah. What's the difference between a nether and a nedava? In other words, what's the halachic difference between them? Nether When it comes to a nether where a person put the obligation on himself rather than on a particular animal, if it designated an animal and then it died or was stolen, then he's responsible for replacing it. Why? Because the obligation was never on the animal, it was always on the person. And therefore, even though the animal dies, that doesn't matter, he still has an obligation on him. But when it comes to a nadava, if it died or was stolen, he's not responsible for replacing it because the obligation was never on him as a person. It was on the animal and he designated the animal and then it died or was lost. Okay, so he's not liable for replacing it. So again, the Gemara's question will just repeat. The Mishnah very clearly says that by definition, a vow to bring in a dava constitutes a designation. You have to have designated an animal. So how can either verse be talking about a person who vowed to bring in a dava but didn't designate one. What does it mean to vow to bring in a dava but not designate one? By definition, a dava requires designation of an animal. So the Gemara answers, Rava says you can find a case of a dava that was not designated. How can that be when the Mishnah has very clearly told us that Nadava by definition includes a designation? Where someone said it's hereby incumbent upon me to bring an Ola offering, which sounds like a neder because it's on the person, but on condition that I'm not responsible for replacing it, which is a clause that sounds more like a nedava than a neder. Because for a neder, as we said, a person is liable for replacing it if it gets stolen or lost, whereas a nedava is not, not liable for replacing it. So a person uses the language of a neder, hare alai ola, it's incumbent upon me to bring an ola, on condition that I'm not responsible for replacing it. So the clause that he says makes it like a nadava, even though the language was more like a nether, because not being liable for replacing it is a law for a nadava. And therefore the Gemara says this is a case where you can have a nadava where 
you're, you've made the nadava, but you're, you've not yet designated the animal. And therefore, we need both psukim even to teach us the law about a nadava. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.